As a special bonus episode, we will be releasing a Patreon-exclusive episode this week. If you would like to become a part of the active team and get a new episode of Active Shooter, the podcast, every week, then go to www.patreon.com slash activethepodcast. And for just $1 a month, you will receive a new ad-free episode every week. This helps us continue to offer you more content and is an easy way to support the show. Again, that's www.patreon.com slash activethepodcast. Thanks, active team, and be safe. Welcome to Active Shooter, the podcast. After decades now of mass shootings, mass shootings, mass shootings, we haven't found the answer. A tribute to the victims of two mass shootings. A tribute to the victims of two mass shootings. Thank you for listening to Active Shooter, the podcast. You are listening to Active Shooter, a podcast that may contain adult themes, explicit language, and graphic depictions of violence. Portions of this show may be traumatic for those under 18. Listener discretion is advised. That deadly rampage tonight, police calling it premeditated mass murder. It lasted several minutes, shaking young people, witnessing it all on the streets, stunned when it was finally over. Authorities say this is the gunman's BMW where it crashed to a stop. The windshield shattered after those shootouts with police. Afterward, the bodies covered in sheets on the ground, six victims. Tonight, there is an intense focus on a Hollywood director's son believed to have been driving that car. He had posted videos on YouTube. Many of them could hold chilling clues. In today's episode, we will discuss a person who has been described as the supreme gentleman of the incel community. The term incel comes from involuntary celibates. In 1993, a female Canadian university student created the term incel when she started a website where she could discuss her sexual inactivity with others. The woman who started the website has stated she is appalled at what the term incel has become today. She never wanted the term to be known as a bunch of guys blaming women for their sexual problems. An incel is described as a person who is unable to find a romantic or sexual partner, even though they want one. Recently, the website Reddit shut down a subreddit group of about 40,000 members because of the amount of mass shootings committed by people identifying themselves as an incel. To be more specific, there have been at least four mass murders by self-identified incels, which has resulted in 45 deaths. If you've listened to our prior episodes, you know that the Active Shooter podcast team has taken the No Notoriety Pledge, and we will not be sharing the real names of the shooters that we cover. We will be giving the shooters a pseudonym, and refer to them by that name throughout the episode. This will help in clearing up any confusion in the story, while remaining true to our pledge in not naming the shooter by their actual name. In today's episode, we will be referring to the shooter as... Lucas. At 7.38 p.m. on Friday, May 23, 2014, Lucas was seen on surveillance video entering a Starbucks. He ordered a triple vanilla latte, paid for his order, and returned back to the apartment at 6598 Seville Road No. 7 in Isla Vista, California. This is where the first of 17 crime scenes took place. Lucas waited patiently as his two roommates and their friend entered the apartment. 
Each of the three men were murdered separately as they walked into the apartment. After killing his first three victims, he went to his room, changed his clothes, as they were now covered in blood. After putting on a clean set of clothes, Lucas uploaded a video he recorded earlier called Retribution. He also emailed a manifesto to his parents, counselors, and other friends and family, about 30 people in all. His manifesto rambled on and on for about 140 pages. He talked about his life story, starting with his birthday and continued talking about the rest of his life. Towards the end, he started describing how his ideal world would consist of no women at all, and his ideas about how he planned to create such a world. In the Retribution video, he reiterated a lot of the same things he wrote in his manifesto. He discussed his plans for that Friday night more in depth, including how he wanted to go into a sorority house and kill the women because he felt rejected by them. I am going to enter the hottest sorority house of UCSB, and I will slaughter every single spoiled, stuck-up, blonde... YouTube removed the video because it violated the company's guidelines, as it threatened violence. After uploading his video and emailing his writing, Lucas got into his car, a 2008 black BMW 328i sedan, and began driving. He decided to follow his plan and go to a nearby sorority house, located at 840 Embarcadero del Norte. He exited his vehicle and began what was later described as aggressively pounding on the front door. None of the girls inside recognized Lucas, so they didn't answer their door. This decision probably saved their lives. That didn't stop Lucas from killing, though. Three females, Bianca Decock, Veronica Weiss, and Catherine, Katie Cooper, were walking in front of the house. As Lucas drove away from the sorority house, he shot the three females, killing Katie Cooper and Veronica Weiss while injuring Bianca Decock. I see his face, he smiles at me, and just starts shooting. Like, like a smirky, grimacy smile, but it was a smile. He was just, he wanted to do this. He looked happy about it. I honestly, I first of all, it didn't seem real. I thought, is this rubber bullets? And then I realized, I'm bleeding, I'm in pain. He continued driving towards Pardal Road. He drove past an unoccupied building on 6560 Pardal Road and fired a single shot into the unoccupied building, not injuring or killing anyone. After driving past the vacant building, he continued to 6549 Pardal Road, where Adeli sat. As he drove past, he shot a single shot towards Christopher Ross Michaels Martinez who was standing outside in front of the deli. The shot killed him. Chris went to the deli to purchase a bag of chips. He fired two shots in. It stopped for about two seconds before they just started raining through. Killing Chris didn't slow Lucas down, though, and he continued to drive towards Embarcadero del Norte, where he saw a man walking. Lucas veered his car into the man, intentionally striking him. The man was injured. Again. Lucas continued to drive. He drove to 6533 Trigo Road, 
where he shot a male and female who were walking on the sidewalk. Both were injured in the blast. Lucas arrived at the intersection of El Embarcadero and Sabado Tare. There was a female walking on the sidewalk, and Lucas aimed and fired at her, injuring the woman. Just north of the intersection of Del Playa Drive and El Embarcadero, Lucas fired another shot towards Sierra Swartz, but Sierra was incredibly lucky, as the bullet missed her, and she wasn't injured. Two males walking at 6653 Del Playa Drive wouldn't be so lucky. Lucas drove his car towards the two men, intentionally striking them with his vehicle. Both of the men survived, though they were injured. At 6688 Sabato Tade, he hit another male that was skateboarding on the side of the road, injuring him. Just down the road at 6620 Sabato Tarde, he veered his car toward yet another man who was walking on the side of the road. This man was almost injured, but thankfully not seriously. In front of 6573 Sabato Tarde, Lucas used his gun once again and shot at two men who were walking. Both of these men were injured. At the intersection of El Embarcadero and Sabato Tarde. Lucas engaged in gunfire with police officers, who had finally caught up with him. During the gunfire, the shooter was injured in the left hip, but Lucas continued to drive, even though he was injured. At 65-84 Del Playa, he hit another male with his vehicle. The man was riding his bike when Lucas steered his car towards him and struck the man, injuring him. As Lucas was driving his vehicle, he realized that he was caught, and there was no going back now. He took his Sig Sauer 9mm semi-automatic pistol, put it to his head, and pulled the trigger. Lucas lost control of his vehicle, and it caused him to crash into several parked cars before coming to a stop. The attack was over. The police had a total of 17 crime scenes to investigate. We'll be right back after these short messages. A total of six people lost their lives on May 23, 2014, and 14 others were injured. Wei Han Wang, who went by David, was 20 years old and was one of Lucas's roommates that had been stabbed. David was from Fremont, California, and he was an engineering student. David and his parents came to the United States from China about 10 years earlier. His parents lost their only child. David graduated from Fremont Christian School and studied engineering in college. He loved playing video games and enjoyed playing basketball. David was actually planning on finding a different apartment because Lucas would play loud music, which upset David because he had a tough course and the music disrupted his studying. He died from 15 stab wounds and 23 incision wounds. Another one of Lucas's roommates that he killed was Chen Hong, who went by James. James was 20 years old from San Jose, California, and was a computer science major. He grew up in Taipei and graduated from Lynbrook High School in San Jose, California in 2012. James was known for the windbreakers he wore just about every day and had them in many different colors. He died from 25 stab wounds and 12 incision wounds. George Chen was a friend of both David and James. He was killed when he entered the apartment with two friends. George was 19 years old and was also from San Jose, California. Both of his parents were engineers 
Therefore, George was also studying to be an engineer. He was a very sweet and playful young man who would often help his elderly neighbors by getting their mail or taking out their trash. George was also a volunteer at a Buddhist-based organization. He died from 94 stab wounds and 12 incision wounds. One of the females that was murdered outside of the sorority house was Catherine Cooper, and she went by Katie. Katie was 22 years old from Chino Hills, California, and was studying art history and archaeology. She was a member of the Delta Delta sorority and was kind, caring, and strong. Katie will always be remembered as being outgoing and having a lot of energy. She died from multiple gunshot wounds, eight wounds in total. I never met anyone who was more willing to lend a helping hand. Veronica Weiss was also murdered in front of the sorority house. She was 19 years old and in her first year of college. Veronica was very athletic and played water polo for the Westlake High School. She also ran cross-country, played baseball, and was a part of the swim team. She played in the Westlake Baseball League and was the only girl out of around 500 people who were on the team. Veronica was always known for being a tomboy and had two younger brothers though she was very wise and mature for her age. She enjoyed doing math and was in advanced math classes as she wanted a career in finance. Veronica was part of the Tri-Delta sorority, as were her mother and her grandmother. She also died from multiple gunshot wounds, seven wounds in total. She was kind. She, she was the person who would reach out to the kids who weren't the popular kids, some of the nerdy kids, some of the kids that were a little bit like this other kid described himself as, as being kind of a little bit of an outcast. She was just a very passionate, loving individual. Christopher Michael Martinez died from a single gunshot wound while he was waiting outside of a deli after purchasing a bag of chips. The bullet entered the left side of his cheek and exited on the right side puncturing his liver and his heart. Chris was only 20 years old when he was taken from this earth. He was from Los Osos, California, and was an English major. While in high school, Chris played football and basketball. He was also planning on attending law school, as his mom was a district attorney, and his father was a criminal defense attorney. Chris was very studious and an avid reader. Isla Vista, California is located in Santa Barbara County, Santa Barbara County is known for having some of the highest house prices in the United States. In 2010, the population of Isla Vista was about 23,000 people. Almost the entire population is made up of college students ranging in age from 18 to 23 years old. Del Playa Drive is one of the major streets in Isla Vista and is the most well-known. Every year there is a huge Halloween party on Del Playa Drive that the entire community of college students look forward to. When it's not Halloween, college house parties are usually the biggest attraction. Recently, there has been a lot of controversy in the housing community because some of the apartment buildings are falling off the rapidly eroding cliffs. The investigation into the Isla Vista massacre was extensive, to say the least. As previously mentioned, there were 17 different crime scenes for the detectives to piece together. When authorities contacted Lucas's parents, they were already en route to Isla Vista because they were concerned about the email they received earlier from their son, 
and he wasn't answering any of their phone calls. When they arrived in Isla Vista at around 1 a.m., the investigators told the worried parents what their son had just done. Obviously, they were very upset, but remained cooperative with the police. It was very hard for his parents to believe that their son owned even a single weapon, but owning numerous weapons and hurting and killing so many people was beyond impossible for them to imagine. There were three semi-automatic 9mm pistols found in his vehicles, as well as two knives that he used to murder his two roommates and their friend earlier in the evening. When officers arrived at Lucas's apartment, the doors were locked. One officer was able to look into a window and see George Chen on the bathroom floor in a pool of blood. This gave police probable cause to enter the apartment, which they did, using force. Upon arrival into the apartment, police found the two other victims, James and David, in the bedroom on the floor covered in blankets and clothing. Lucas's bedroom was very messy. Police noted that there was a laptop open on his bed, and a video was just uploaded. This was the retribution video Lucas uploaded before going on his killing rampage. On his bed, there was a fitted sheet with many stab and slash marks. There were also stab marks in the pillows on the bed. Investigators thought that maybe Lucas was practicing stabbing movements with the knife before he stabbed his victims. They also found a buttoned-up shirt and blue jeans with large amounts of blood on them. The police concluded that these were the clothes that Lucas wore when he killed George, James, and David. Investigators also found numerous video games that were known for being violent, such as World of Warcraft, Gears of War, Call of Duty, and Halo. Several more knives were found in his bedroom. Handwritten journal entries were also found, which gave investigators a small glimpse into Lucas's mind and his thoughts about women. There were also lottery tickets and two gun cleaning kits found. After more investigation, it was discovered that all of Lucas's firearms were purchased legally. The three firearms that he had were purchased at three different gun shops on three different dates. All of the necessary paperwork was filled out correctly, and he completed the mandatory 10-day waiting period when he purchased the firearms. On December 4, 2012, Lucas purchased a 9mm semi-automatic Glock from Goleta, Valley Gun, and Supply. On March 12, 2013, he purchased another 9mm semi-automatic Sig Sauer pistol from Gunworld. This is the gun that was used in the shooting. On February 22, 2014, he purchased yet another 9mm semi-automatic Sig Sauer pistol from B&G Guns. Investigators confiscated an iPhone 4 that contained about 200 selfies that Lucas took of himself. There were also many suspicious searches done on his computer. Some included quick silent kill with a knife, how to kill someone with a knife, philosophy of a knife, I've never had a female friend, and modern torture devices. Lucas was born on July 24, 1991 in London, England. He had moved to California with his family when he was just five years old. He had a sister who was four years younger. When Lucas was seven years old, his parents divorced. His dad went on to remarry. However, his mom didn't. His parents shared custody of him and his sister, but Lucas never showed any signs of distress over the divorce. 
Lucas also had a half-brother who was 14 years younger than him, and they were close and would spend time together. For the sake of their children, his parents remained on friendly terms. Lucas was always a shy child and was treated for many years for various issues. When he was seven or eight years old, he went to speech therapy for a lisp. The therapy did its job, though, and corrected the lisp. He was also scared of dogs while growing up, but he later got over that fear. Lucas's father was from England and was a film director. He worked on numerous large productions, including being on the production team for the Hunger Games movies. Lucas's mother was from Malaysia. As a teenager, he enjoyed swimming, hiking, reading, writing, going to the library, and playing video games. He attended Crespi Carmelite High School his freshman year and received poor grades. During his sophomore, junior, and senior years, he attended Independence Continuation School. He graduated but chose not to attend his graduation ceremony. Lucas was always quiet and kept to himself. He didn't really interact with others and often hid behind a building during school recess. Almost all of Lucas's interactions with other people took place online while playing video games. He also preferred to stay at home and not go to places with his family. There's no way I thought that this boy could even, could hurt a flea. I mean, this is this is the most unbelievable thing. But what I don't get is we didn't see this coming at all. This is the American horror story or the world's horror story is when you have somebody who on the outside is one thing and on the inside is something completely different and you don't see it. When Lucas hit puberty, he found it hard to interact with women. He didn't know how to deal with the issues he had while growing up properly and he would blame others for his frustration. His parents tried to help him overcome his social anxiety to no avail. Lucas became increasingly upset by his constant rejection by women. He got angry whenever he saw happy couples out in public. I think he's a really lonely guy. I mean, if he had received more love, then I don't think it would get that bad. Living in Los Angeles with his mom, Lucas attended Pierce College and Moore Park College before he decided to move to Isla Vista. He moved to Isla Vista on June 4, 2011, and enrolled at Santa Barbara City College. Lucas was looking forward to a fresh start and to gain independence. He was also hoping that the move would help him improve social skills. Unfortunately, it wasn't as easy as Lucas was hoping it would be. He still struggled with social anxiety and continued to have trouble making friends and meeting girls. He was constantly rejected by women. He was really, really upset about why is the world so unfair to him and like, oh, I'm a good-looking guy and why are girls falling for those ugly, fat guys? While in college, Lucas received around $500 a month from his father as well as money from other families to go towards his tuition. Lucas would stash this money away, and he ended up using it to purchase the numerous weapons that were found in his possession on the night he died, as well as the knives found in his bedroom. Lucas continued to purchase lottery tickets at the time in order to try and become wealthy, because he thought that being wealthy was the only way he would be able to get a girlfriend. Every time he lost on a lottery ticket, his anger would increase. He would continue to be upset that he was still a virgin, and would ultimately die a virgin. 
This seems to become a recurring pattern among active shooters that we are covering. Too many have died. We should say to ourselves, not one more. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Active Shooter, the podcast. Make sure to check us out on social media. We have a newly formed discussion group on Facebook. Just search for Active Shooter, the podcast discussion group. You can also find us on Instagram at Active the Podcast and Twitter at Podcast Active. For just $1 a month, you can get access to ad-free episodes, early release episodes when available, and a shout-out on the show. Just go to www.patreon.com forward slash active the podcast. Thank you, and be safe. According to the National Crime Survey, the number of violent crimes in America has increased by 28% from 2015 to 2018. It felt like I didn't have the words or the strength to describe this incomprehensible pain. The vast majority of those crimes come and go, with barely a mention on the evening news. They are shuffled through the court system, and while there might be a judgment of sentence in the case, justice is not always served. I'm afraid to go to sleep every night, afraid that I will have yet another nightmare. Join us for these lesser-known crime stories, where true justice eluded the survivors. We are Jane Doe's no more. This is our chance to shine the light on the most important part of every true crime case and bring those stories to you. That's the story I want people to know. Her story. Our story. For the victim. I'm Bonnie Lee the host of Writing About Crime, a Canadian true crime podcast that looks for the story behind criminal cases. The people, the places, and the events that join together to create a narrative, not a scoop. I am not reading you the news. I am writing about crime. I hope you'll join me on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.